All right. Let's uh, let's pray and let's get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, for this day. We thank you, dear God, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you, dear God, for your grace in allowing us to be here today and be with brothers and sisters and and worship our Father together in unison, O Lord. Father, right now we just want to uh, pray for each uh, each person in this room, each family represented. We want to pray for the entire church, everyone in the building, O Lord. Pray, dear God, that you would uh, take our thoughts captive, that we would be focused on you and worshiping you and hearing your truth, dear God. I pray that every word that's spoken in this building, dear God, would be uh, inspired by your spirit, dear God, and that we would um, exchange words, dear God, that would edify, build one another up, oh God. Father, I pray for Pastor as he uh, will be bringing the message uh, during the service, dear God, that you would minister to his heart and his mouth, dear God, that he would... You would prepare our hearts to receive uh, your message today, dear God. And I just pray, dear Lord, uh, you, you see every need, you know every care, every desire, O oh Lord, and you know uh, who's sick, uh, who needs work, uh, you know everything. You see our hearts laid before you, O oh Lord. We uh, ask that you would uh, meet us at our point of need, dear God, as you see fit in your sovereign will, O oh God. So, Father, may the name of Jesus be magnified and glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so getting started, we are in chapter 15 uh, of Repentance Unto Life and Salvation. We're looking at point 3 today, but I want to give, just because of the breaks, a super turbo round, uh, just going through the points up to now. It's not a, we're not like doing a recap or anything, unpacking, but just up until now. We defined uh, repentance, uh, there will be some things on the screen here for you to follow along with. Uh, We defined repentance as a saving grace. This is from the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism. A saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin. Do you remember this? The true sense of sin? A sinner, out of a true sense of his sin. and I like how it's his. It's always just pre-assuming that it's a man, right? That's, That's sin here, right? A saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin... And apprehension, remember we talked about apprehension meaning a grasping and understanding. And apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ does, with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it, his sin, unto or toward God with the full purpose and endeavor after new obedience. Okay, so repentance is a... A loathing of the sin, a hatred of that sin, uh, turning from that sin toward God, understanding that there is forgiveness in God, but it doesn't stop there. It also includes a renewed desire. Who renews that desire? The Holy Spirit, right? A renewed desire towards seeking obedience. So repentance is not just feeling sorry for sin and saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. There's a positive. It's not just a negative. It's a positive towards obedience, daily obedience, okay? Uh, And so what we looked at was we looked at a diagram there, and I I added, oh, you can barely see the the red words. I should have used white. But you see there the the illustration with the roots. We had the the roots were true sense of sin, apprehension of the mercy of God. The trunk is the turning away from sin towards God, and up in the branches and the leaves and the fruit is new obedience. Okay? New obedience. So we talked about point one, 
point one was talked about the recipients of repentance, and we talked about those. I think the example was Len and, and somebody else uh, that were converted at riper years. That's a nice way of saying, you know, when you were older, right? <laughs> at riper years. We also gave some biblical examples of Manasseh, uh, Paul, and the Philippian jailer. We know the story of Paul, how you know, it was after he had, what, persecuted a ton of Christians and locked them up, murdered them, etc., that he came to know Christ, and yet he went on to become, uh, you know, in my opinion, you know, the greatest apostle. Uh, so we see those examples there. And we talked about uh, that point. Let's read that point. It says that for point number one, you can follow along in your thing or you can read it on here. I put it up on the screen for you. It says some of the elect, elect is a very operative word here. Some of the elect, or the chosen for salvation, the predestined, right? Uh, some of the elect are converted after their early years having lived in the natural state. What is the natural state? The unsaved state. The supernatural state would mean that you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that you have the living God inside of you. So the natural state is you don't have the Holy Spirit. So some of the elect were converted after their early years, having lived in the natural state without the Holy Spirit for a time and served various evil desires and pleasures. So we lived... A handful of years, whatever we determined, I think we said 30, just, just to throw a number in there. Uh, and we lived unsaved, and we sinned, and we sought to please what? Our own desires, our own sinful desires. And it says here, God gives these repentance to life as part of their effectual calling. So we said salvation is, is something that is sovereignly given uh, by God. Uh, and so repentance is also something that is what God gives these repentance to life as part of their effectual calling. So we talked about repentance. We said repentance does not save you, but it is part of the saving work of God, of the Holy Spirit in the uh, unredeemed person. Right? So when God saves you, he elected you, he chose you before the foundation of the world. And he called you. First, he gave you regeneration. We said that that's the new birth when the Holy Spirit gives you life that you can respond to the gospel call. And then you repent of your sin and toward, turn towards Christ. Now, we think of those as all separate things. We might think of them as something that happens first, etc. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But it's all part of the one thing, which is salvation. Okay? Uh, but God gives these repentance to life as part of their effectual calling. Effectual calling is another term for what Calvinistic term? Irresistible grace. Irresistible grace. Effectual calling means it will happen. You cannot deny that calling. It, it is irrevocable. You cannot, you will not deny that. Why? Because once the Holy Spirit has begun that work in you, it will, He will see it through completion. Okay? So, we talked about this conversion, and we called it a crisis experience. And I had given you the story that we shared with the youth, that many of the leaders gave their testimonies, and they talked about all the things that they had experienced and gone through before they uh, were saved, before they came to Christ. And we said here um, that, uh, you know, I kind of encouraged the younger one, the younger people in the room, those that maybe grew up in church, that you don't necessarily... It's, you don't have to go through all of these things to still require repentance, right? A lot of times we think that, uh, 
you know, for those that have a basic knowledge would think that only those that came from, you know, adultery or drugs or whatever have to repent. But if you were born in the church, you're kind of good because you never accumulated that sin, which is totally false. We sin on a daily basis. Some of us are sinning right now. You don't like the shirt I, you know, I'm wearing and you're saying, well, look at this guy or, you know, he turned this beard. I don't like him anymore or whatever it might be. But crisis experience is, you know, the Paul's. It's, 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 um, it's those people that had this, you know, road to Damascus uh, experience versus those that were brought up in the church and still need repentance. So we talked about those that came, uh, that were granted repentance by God at riper years, but then there's also the recipients of repentance who are all believers in general. Everyone needs repentance. We, we know that there is none good, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says what? All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We all need repentance. In fact, it's, it's sometimes, I guess, in terms of the, the, my youth leader hat, uh, it, it's a bigger concern with the youth, right? That those that are raised in the church might just be going through the routine and it's hard to see because you've got Christian parents that are, that are making you go to church, making you do these things, and then maybe later on in life, once you get some freedom, they're out of here, right? So all believers in general uh, are in need of repentance. Let's read that point number two is what spoke about this. It says, There is no one who does good and does not sin. Even the best may fall into great sin and offenses through the power and deceitfulness of the corruption where? In them. them. Is there corruption in you? Is there corruption in you? I'm giving you that little, is there? To to confuse you. Yes, there's corruption in us, right? Uh, Even the best may fall into great sins and offenses through the power, there's a power, and deceitfulness of the corruption in them along with the strength of temptation. Now, I didn't unpack that piece, the strength of temptation, but are there different levels of temptation? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Somebody maybe just give a little something about that. Anybody, Mike, since you said strength of temptation. There's certain things in my life that I'm more tempted to do. And my tendency toward, I might tendency towards sin in a certain area, whereas you might have a tendency in another Yeah. That might be stronger in me than it is for you. Whereas if we different something else, I might not really have much temptation. Right. Right. So it, it is a very individual yeah. thing, right? It's a very individual thing. But yet we all have the corruption, but there's different strengths of temptation depending upon the desires of each one's heart. Right? You're not going to tempt me with a vegan hamburger. Uh, but you will tempt me with a ribeye steak. Right? So, so there you go. Uh, along with the strength of temptation. Therefore, God has mercifully provided in the covenant of grace that believers who sin and fall will be renewed through repentance to salvation. The covenant of grace. Sean, can you give us a one sentence covenant of grace? Uh, um, I'm sorry. Um, what is the covenant of grace? Yes. It's the covenant that uh, before the beginning of time, the triune Godhead chose who they were going to save. They decided to. Right. That there was going to be a redemption, right? And, and the Son would be sorry, uh, the Redeemer. No, you're good. 
God, therefore, God has mercifully provided in the covenant of grace. So in God's sovereign plan, right? Sal- salvation plan. God has mercifully provided in the covenant of grace that believers who sin and fall. Now, that's not to be misunderstood for believers who sin and lose their salvation. That's not what that fall means. What does, what does this fall mean? I want, to, I want to give you guys a chance to... All believers at some point will stumble. So I would say more like a stumbling. It's like a stumbling. Even Peter, it's a, you know, Jesus says, when you fall, get back up. And, you know, so there is a point where you will stumble, yes. You'll stumble. Or you fall into that yeah. sin. You fall into that temptation, right? This is not to be, because you hear the word fall, you think of Adam and Eve and, and fall and, and et cetera, et cetera. Or you might think fall, you know, meaning fall away, fell away and, and lost salvation. This is falling into sin. You know, we do not lose our salvation, right? We did not earn our salvation. Our salvation was a gift of grace from our God in His sovereign plan. So we did not earn it. We cannot lose it. We do give evidence of it, but we do not lose it. Ever again, let me say that again. We cannot lose our salvation if we truly are saved. But we can fall out of harmony when we sin. Right? We can fall out of harmony with what God's plan is. We can, we can be walking in a, bit of, in a bit of disharmony with God if we're leading a sinful, unrepentant life, or if we fall into a certain sin and we do not repent from it. But God has granted that we will be renewed through repentance to salvation. Notice those are believers who sin and fall will be renewed through repentance. So repentance is not just something we associate with salvation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Alright? So we gave examples of no one being good, not even the best. we got Moses, was disobedience. He disobeyed the Lord. Remember, he hit the rock when God told him to speak to the rock. David was a murderer and an, an adulterer, right? After being saved, after walking with the Lord. Peter, after being as close as you can be with our Lord and Savior, denied Christ. And then he, you know, sort of uh, did the little deal there with the Gentiles where he, he, he sat with the Jews and, and nor the Gentiles and, and all that, and, and Paul had to rebuke him. So no one is good, not even the best of us. We all need repentance. And then we talk, looked at point number three, which talks about, we're, uh, we just read it. Point number three talks about the nature of repentance. And this is what we're going to look at today, the nature of repentance, and the point that it is a gift by grace from God who grants repentance. So let's... Take a look at section number three, and let's read it. I'm going to put it on the board, see if somebody wants to read it. I'm going to pick on my wife. Uh, if she would read it, can you read point number three nice and loud and clear? This saving repentance is a gospel of grace in which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of the many evils of their sin, by faith in Christ, humble themselves for it with godly sorrow, hatred of it, and self-clothing. They pray for pardon and strength of grace and determine and endeavor by provisions from the Spirit to live before God in a well-pleasing way in everything. All right. Thank you. So this saving repentance is, what's that next phrase? Gospel 
It's a gospel grace. What is the gospel? I like to unpack sentences a little bit. Good news? Yes. Gospel means good news, but what is the gospel? Salvation, salvation, grace, in Jesus Christ. Right? So I'm going to sum it up by all, all this is right, actually, but what I, I'm going to sum it up in saying Jesus Christ is the gospel. All right? I think we, that, that safely sums it up. The gospel is Jesus Christ. And so we read here the saving, this saving repentance is a gospel grace. All right? So. This saving repentance. We talked about this and I mentioned it earlier. Does repentance save in and of itself? I'll clarify the question. No. No. Many people repent of something they've done. It doesn't mean that they turn to Jesus. It doesn't mean that they come to a saving faith in Christ Jesus. But this is called a saving repentance. And it's unpacked that it is a gospel grace. It is a good news. It is a Jesus-given Grace. So this saving repentance is not qualifying the word repentance as something that saves you. It is talking about a repentance that belongs or is packaged in with salvation. Alright, so it's, it's using it as an adjective for the word repentance. This is saving repentance. So this repentance that is granted when everything that is, that is involved in salvation is granted to you. Right? So this is a saving repentance. It is a gospel grace in which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of their many evils of their sin, by faith in Christ, humble themselves for it with godly sorrow. Okay, so let's talk about salvation. What, how do we present the gospel? What do we, we give the message of, of, of Christ. We talk about that Christ um, is, is God. He, he was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died the death that we deserved, and he resurrected again, right? In triumph, uh, triumphant over sin and death. But how do we present the gospel when we present the gospel to someone? Usually, you hear something like, you need to humble yourself, repent of your sin, and come to Jesus. Is that not how we usually uh, present the gospel? Are we in agreement? Or is that how we usually hear it? Okay. So, we see here that this is a gospel grace. So that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. In which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of their many evils of their sins. So we see here that this repentance is given by grace from God to the believer, and they are made aware of their sin by the Holy Spirit. Alright, so this sounds like it's part of salvation. It is not salvation in itself, but it is part of salvation. Let's read a verse about this and to, to, so that we see that it is given by God. Acts 5.31 Can somebody look up Acts 5.31? I'll set this, I'll, I'll frame this. This is when uh, the apostles are before uh, Gamaliel and the council, and they're, and they're told to stop preaching the name of Jesus. And then Peter responds, and he, he tells them how they have to obey God over men. And then in Acts 5.31, he says, who has it? Go ahead, Sean. 
He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. All right. So Jesus Christ is elevated, the right hand of the Father, and it is Jesus, right? Jesus Christ, the gospel himself, who grants repentance to Israel. So why are we talking about granting repentance and why is it a saving grace? Because I'm actually, I actually just finished uh, reading, listening, however you want to call it, uh, a book called The Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. And it talks about something called the, the marrow controversy. I'm not going to go ahead and unpack all that because it's hard to explain. But it talks about basically offering the whole Christ, how, how when we offer the gospel, we make the mistake of making repentance a precondition to salvation. Right? That you have to repent uh, you, it's almost like we're, we're telling people that they need to first do something and then approach Christ, which is not an accurate portrayal of the gospel. We think of salvation in terms of the order salutis, right? but the order salutis or the order of salvation is one thing. We break it down into different um, categories because we want to theologically un- unpack everything that is involved in salvation. But it is not a step one, step two, step three, step four process because it's all, it all starts with the Holy Spirit, right? Regenerating us. We have no control over that step one. That is the Holy Spirit. But it's also because of the way John the Baptist, the way people view John the Baptist and what he said. Right. But then, but then it's clarified that John preached the message of repentance. Right? And later on, we said, but Jesus... What's the message of what? Of the gospel. Right? The message of gospel. John baptized you for repentance, but Christ baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right? That was regeneration, etc. So we see here, when we offer the gospel, we offer Christ. There's no precondition where we offer the gospel only to those that have repented or shown some kind of uh, 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 brokenness over their sin. The, the full gospel is Jesus Christ and Christ alone, right? It is not that you first have to repent of your sin, etc., to then come to Christ, or get yourself fixed to then come to Christ. It's that you come to Christ. It is Christ that grants the repentance. In salvation, that repentance is granted to you by grace, by God, where the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Let's take a look at Zechariah 12.10. Somebody look at Ezekiel 36, 31. They're up on the screen. And somebody have Psalm 119, 6 ready. We're talking about a saving grace. This repentance is a saving grace. Zechariah 12, 10. Who has it? Go ahead, Joe. I will pour out of the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and peace for mercy, so that when they look on me, Alright, so the word says there, I will pour out over the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look upon me who they have pierced and they will mourn for him. So we see here uh, that it, it comes from whom? Repentance from God. Yeah, it's it's given by God. What does 
uh, this godly grief, because if we read the other part of, of um, chapter 3, that point 3, it says, this saving repentance is a gospel grace. So it's given to us by grace, by Jesus Christ, by God, uh, and the Holy Spirit, in which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of their many evils, I, I don't, do I need to put it back up here? I'll put it back up. So it says, saving repentance, gospel grace, in which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of the many evils of their sin, by faith in Christ, humble themselves for it with godly sorrow, hatred of it, and self-loathing. So let's talk about godly grief. Ezekiel 36, 31. Tom. Uh, uh, then you will remember your evil ways and your, uh, and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. You will loathe yourself in your own sight. Right? So let's, let's talk about believers already. Those that are saved. Right? We do sin. We do commit sin. And this is more of a, a, a heart checklist. Do we loathe ourselves after we sin? I think it's very easy for us as believers to kind of just flippantly say, well, I sinned, but I'm covered. I know I'm covered by the grace of Christ. And we may, you know, take for granted, if that's even possible to apply, but just, you know, I, I don't know how to word it any better. We take for granted our salvation. Right? We take comfort in knowing that we cannot lose our salvation. We can't sin our way out of salvation. And we're going to see that in point five. Um, but are we loathing ourselves over our sin? Why do I ask that? Because we struggle with sin, and in some cases we struggle with a specific sin. We're going to see that in point number four. But... If there's a specific sin in our life, it means that it's a continual sin, right? And so it's it's difficult to say that we're loathing ourselves for that sin when we just continue to repeat the sin. And so we see here that it is a loathing. It says in Ezekiel, as Joe read, he says, uh, Then you remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. Is that the right one? Yes. Uh, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and abomination. So this is more just an exhortation that we should still loathe ourselves. We should suffer for our sin. Not, we should suffer for our sin in terms of being punished for it. And God is good. God says He chastises those that He loves, right? He, we're, we're, we're told not to spare the rod for the child. I'm sure the Lord does not spare the rod for us because He loves us. But we are to loathe ourselves over our sin. Loathe that sin. What, what is the purpose of loathing ourselves over that sin? Do we like to loathe? Is that a good thing to loathe yourself? No. It's not. Right? In so this it, case it is. In this case it is, but I'm saying it's not good in general to, to loathe yourself. This is something, loathing of yourself means it's something that you don't want to be there again. You don't want to be there again. Right? So in terms of sin... And repentance, let's not just talk about the unsaved, but the saved. Most of this was addressing believers, a godly grief. DJ? Loathing. I mean, I understand what it's saying. Uh-huh. But aren't we loathing the flesh, the natural man? Yes. We're, we're loathing that part of us that still wants to try to push it. 
Congress. Right. Exactly. So that's, it's not. It's not that we hate ourselves completely. We hate what part of us is still warring against God. Yes. Yes. It's true. But 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 then I also don't want to give license to say that that's something separate from us. That there's an accountability no, to it. Yeah. 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 I, I don't want to say. Well, you know, that's our natural because it's very easy. <clears throat> It's very easy to say, oh, well, that's my old self, as if, as if I'm not responsible for that old self, right? So we do want to, I don't, can't tell if you're raising your hand. Yeah, I'm raising your hand. Give me a second, DJ. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, well, we have to hand the grace of God. Right. Okay? Well, because we understand what it costs. You know, I, I'm disgusted with myself when I sin because I know I'm forgiven. Yeah. I know what it costs my God and I know that's all been given to me so we loathe it but the, 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 there's a good purpose behind it of course. It's, to, it's to draw us near to him you know what I'm saying like right. I said like, like I think of a, can you put the paragraph on again? The, the paragraph that we had up there it's worded it's a, this saving repentance is a gospel grace you know, it can also be looked at as you know, there, there's, there is the repentance that comes with the, uh, the initial salvation, you know, when we get saved, right? But yet there's all, then there's also the repentance that is constant amongst the believers without, without sanctification, no one's in the Word. Right. It has to, it's totally linked to holiness. Of course. You know, and believing in all that. And I think it's just, to me, that's, I, I loathe my sins. I, I understand what I've been forgiven. Right. I understand the cost of it. Right. You know, and that's and that's and that and that um, talks a little bit about what DJ was saying too. How it's that old we, we're disgusted with it because we know what it cost Christ to pay, and yet we are we're we're adding right to it, uh, and that's that that is that old self that DJ's talking about. The new self is the one that that loathes. The new yeah. self loathes after the that. The old self wouldn't loathe. The old self wouldn't loathe. They revel in it, right? And so let's let's um, read about obedience. Go ahead, Sean. I, I think Mike uh, pointed out a good point right there. It, it's, and I know this is presupposing that we do realize that, but in the statement, you are loathing yourself in your own sight of your iniquities and your abominations in the light of your of your salvation. You know, so because until you realize what you're doing is wrong to begin with, and who you're doing is actually a front to, you're never going to loathe. Yourself. It's so true. I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I saw another hand raised. Oh, Joe. Well, I think that the hardest part, like when it comes to loathing, is loathing the way God wants us to because, you know, in the sense of the mindset, you know, murder, not actually murdering someone, but loathing, even the fact that we have a sinful heart against that person. Damn. You know? Yeah. So that's the, because that's the, that's, that's the type of thing that we just kind of let slide because it's not as bad as it could be. But, like, I think it was in the book for the men's Bible study, it was talking about holiness, you know. As he put strong kind of said, like, any your front, understanding that, you know, obviously there's different types of sin, but any any type of it is still, like, an affront to God and, and the fact that he's sovereign and what he's done to you. Right. And that speaks to the point of loathing itself, right? Because some of the things that you're saying, some of those normal kind of sort of like the respectable sins kind of stuff, etc., are we loathing over those things? We, we tend to classify sin, and you know, that's not one, that's not super bad. I can kind of just, you know, pray about that one or whatever. But we, the, the loathing over ourselves is, I like Mike's term, and Mike, Mike, 
Mike likes to use harsh terms when it comes to himself. Like, he goes, I'm disgusted with my... It makes me sick. <laughs> uh, but that is, the, that is really what the statement is saying, right? The hatred of that sin and the loathing of yourself over that, that sin. But remember that the whole point of this and, and the tree, right? Look at the tree, not in terms of its components, but in terms of the whole thing. The tree is just a, a tool for memorization, right? It, don't go thinking there's some mythical tree somewhere, etc. But I, I'm a very sci-fi geek and think of Lord of the Rings and the tree of blah, 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 or whatever it might be. But the tree is there to help us remember that repentance is all of that. It's the acknowledgement of the sin, apprehension of the mercy of God, turning away from it, but then the obedience piece. The obedience. So the loathing is, should drive us to not want to do that again, which in other words means to obey God's commands moving forward. Let's read the second half of, of, of this where it talks about uh, obedience. So we read in here, uh, saving repentance, gospel grace, which the Holy Spirit made uh, aware, but those are made aware by the Holy Spirit of the many evils of their sin by faith in Christ. You humble yourselves for it with godly sorrow, hatred of it, and self-loathing. And then here's the part. They pray for pardon and strength of grace and determine and endeavor by provision from the Spirit. Everything is Spirit-driven. right? It, notice, none of this is originating from us. That loathing is because the Holy Spirit has revealed sin in our lives, has made us aware of sin in our life, either, either by convicting us directly or accountability, right? Someone speaking to that sin in our lives. But it says, they pray for pardon and strength of grace. So let's talk about obedience. Psalm 119.6. I debated if it was Psalms 119 or if it was Psalm 119. It would drove me crazy. I, I kid you not, I spent like 15 minutes on it, but... Uh, Psalm 119.6. And somebody have verse 128 ready. Go ahead, 6. Then I will not be ashamed when I look into all of your commandments. Then I will not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. Now that implies what? That implies that we're following the commandments. We look at the commandments of God, the word of God, and we compare our conduct towards the commandments of God, right? This is, this is that godly grief. All of these points here, a saving grace that it's given by God, it produces a godly sorrow, not a worldly sorrow, right? I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry because I got caught. That's a worldly sorrow. <laughs> godly grief is I loathe myself because of, of sin and I want to turn towards obedience towards God, right? So uh, this is in, in walking... Looking at the word of God, comparing our lives, right? So the psalm says, let your word, your statutes be a what? A lamp unto my feet. So that we, a path, it can light the path that we are to walk in. Uh, let's read verse 128. There. Therefore, I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Mm-hmm. All right. That sounds like Mike wrote that one. That's such an important verse. Can you read it again? <laughs> Therefore, I esteem right all your precepts. Concerning everything, I hate every false way. You want to say something about it? Because uh, no, I'm just saying. Like when we think of you know, the Bible stresses on belief, right? You see that absolutely. But I, what we don't realize is that there is no belief apart from repentance. You know, so we believe on Christ and His work and what He did, but that work did something for something, right? The problem of sin. 
that the problem of sin, right? Yep. So that wrath was put upon him. So I must have an understanding that I have sinned against a holy, righteous God. Right. And I agree with God in his holiness, in his righteousness. I agree that I deserve that wrath. Right. Like I deserve to be eternally separated. Like there's an apprehension of my sin, as right. much as we have an apprehension of his amazing grace, right. right. and we believe and we say you can't separate. Them. That's what, that, and that's what that's what I love about this. That this is the Christian life. Yeah. Like this has to always be present. Now we can get a little numb. You know, we can. You know, I, I can look at myself and take it for granted being raised in a, in a Christian family. Okay, you know, you, you take for granted sometimes certain things. It's the maturing process, right? But. At some point, we need to understand that we, we understand this verse, okay? We're going to be brought real back into this. You have, have to be. Yep. Or else, it, I don't know, did salvation take place? Or we've, we've just gotten so far. We've gotten so far, you can say, how did we get here? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. We have to have a sense of who he is and how good he is. Huh. Essentially, a sense of why he saved us. He saved us so that we can now be like him, even though it's going to be imperfect here. But scripture tells us that he saved us unto good works. Unto good right? works. Which the good work is what? Obedience to, Obedience to, to him. So we definitely yeah, exactly. understand this. <laughs> so the loathing doesn't just stop, right? The loathing, yes, of ourselves, disgusted with our sin. But then here, I was just going to make the connection that the, the loathing is of every false way so so that once we you know come to God confess our sin and and, 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 and and we have forgiveness for that sin and I'm not talking about salvation I'm just talking about daily sin uh, looking backwards we hate that way right so if you hate that way that's kind of said of saying I, I'm not going to go back that way which leads us to point number four the continuance of repentance like just to kind of piggyback on what you're okay. saying uh, Every false way, I agree 100% with going back. Also, I'd like to add to that what kind of like what Mike mentioned about being known as believers. Mm. You know that that every false way, even going forward, even now, we we can have a tendency, and I can have a tendency to kind of say, "Well, that's not so bad." Right. You know, because my version says I carefully follow your precepts. So that means I have to I have to study them. I have to I have to know them. And I, and I have to compare that to compare everything right. That's a good to point. that. And, and yes, absolutely, the past, I'm never going to do that again. Uh, but every once in a while, I might you know, stray and maybe do something else. I don't know. Yeah. I have yeah. to be careful of every false way. That's a great point. I was taking for granted the fact that we have to know the commandments and looking at the commandments. Know the precepts. All right, well, it goes back to the, 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 the statutes being a lamp unto our feet. We need to know them in order for them to illuminate our steps. Right? But we talked about, so one thing uh, that we're saying in this point is that it has to be continual. And that's what point number four is, the continuance of repentance, uh, which implied, and I put there in parentheses just to be controversial, that means that there's continual sin. No? If we have to continually repent, it means that we are continually sinning. So we're not talking, there's no perfect Christian. Right? We continue to sin. Salvation means doesn't mean that we are perfect after that. But let's talk about, let's read point number four. And this will be a short point, and so is point number five. Uh, so if you're looking at the clock, yes, I'm going to finish today. Okay. <laughs> point number four says, I'll read it just for the sake of time. Repentance 
must continue throughout our lives because of the body of death and its activities. So it is everyone's duty to repent, here it is, of each specific known sin specifically. God, forgive me my sin. I'm good. We have to confess our sins, bring our sins to God. Listen, those are humbling prayers, aren't they? When you are speaking to God, some of these prayers we wouldn't wouldn't even share with others. We wouldn't necessarily confess it to someone else. Uh, but we, when we confess our sin to God, the thoughts, the deeds, all those things, that we confess them specifically. Lord, you know what was in my heart when I did X, Y, Z. Those are, though they're humbling prayers, they're beautiful in the sense that you're laying everything out before the throne of grace. Listen, how much, how much more grace do we find at the throne of our God who is perfect and holy than we do before men and women. Right? There is way more grace before our God who gave His Son to die for us. We are, we are saved. Right? It's, it's almost like the least we can do is confess our sins to God in light of salvation, in light of the price that He paid uh, on our behalf to redeem us when He sovereignly decreed it before uh, creation, right? So confessing our sin to God. We talk about uh, lordship salvation, and it becomes a topic of discussion. I'm, we have no time to talk about that right now. But basically, uh, what I want to point out is that it, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Right? Some would argue, well, we don't always have him as Lord because we sin, and at that point, he's not Lord in our lives. But if we confess. You confess your faults to the Lord. You confess your faults to your King. So it's not living perfect, sinless lives, but it is confessing each sin to your Lord that you would find mercy. You have the apprehension of the great, of the mercy of our God. Let's read uh, 1 John 1, 9 and 10. I'll read it. It says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we have to continually repent each specific sin specifically. I think that's a a great thing that if we're not doing it now let's 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 pra- let's start practicing that confess your specific sin to the lord right? if i said something hurtful to sean yes i should i should apologize to sean etc but then when, in my prayers at night i should say lord you know forgive me for my sins you know they are many okay. lord forgive me today for what i said to sean i had such and such in my heart and i felt this before you know and, and Forgive me, Lord, for those words. Uh, he's my brother, etc., etc. We develop a healthy prayer life. We will confess our sin to the Lord, which, which is, what does it do to us? It, it frees us. It gives us what? You ever have an argument with your wife? I've never had an argument. <laughs> 
Do you ever have an argument with your wife and there's that tension there or whatever? It's not until that moment where you have the conversation and you say, you, you know what? I was wrong. You know, forgive me, whatever. That's when what happens? Big hug. A big hug. Maybe you'll get some dinner. <laughs> no. That's when there's that restoration, right? That harmony that I was talking about. This whole thing just reminds me of fear. Um, a long time ago, I just felt like I had that uh, intense awareness of my sin. You kind of get comfortable with it. But I just think of Peter when, you know, he knew. Christ said, don't do, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And he kept denying him and went through the motions. But when he faced, you know, I, I think it's only Luke, the Gospel of Luke, that says, you saw Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. recognized, like, if we, well, it's not just recognizing your sin, recognizing the consequence of it, which was something that was missing and a certain part of my walk where I was just kind of like, yeah. forgiving for my sins, and then I moved on, but I wasn't recognizing. Right. Not, not confessing sin, to, 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 to your point, is to not see Christ as a person almost. Right? It's almost like Christ is just a set of rules. Mm-hmm. Confessing your sin makes it personal. Makes it personal with Christ. I'm going to read point five so that we can wrap up. I know I'm a minute or two over. I'm just going to read this one. Uh, the provision of repentance. Point number five. God has made full provision through Christ in the covenant of grace to preserve believers in their salvation, the preservation of the saints, perseverance of the saints, preserve believers in their salvation. Thus, then this is the beautiful one, thus, although there is no sin so small that it is undeserving of salvation, damnation, damnation sorry, though, oh man, thus, although there is no sin so small that it is undeserving of damnation, yet there is no sin so great that it will bring damnation on those who Repent. This makes constant preaching of repentance necessary. We are eternally forgiven. We are eternally secure. We'll end by just reading two verses. Somebody read Romans 6.23 and somebody read Isaiah 55.7. And we'll end with those verses. They say it. Yes. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Not unless you do something. No, eternal life. The gift of God in Christ is eternal life. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely forgive him. I like, uh, I like, and no offense to you, Len, but I love the term in my, what, what am I using? The New American Standard. It said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Right? A beautiful, beautiful verse that there is pardon in our God. We have to continually uh, preach repentance because we are continually sinning. Alright, so um, let's pray uh, and ask God's blessing on us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, for you are a God of grace and mercy. We thank you, dear God, that as Isaiah says, you abundantly pardon, O Lord. 
And Father, my prayer is that we would continually confess our sin to you, dear God, that we would repent of our sins daily, and that we would have victory over sins, dear God, that we wouldn't just continually be fighting the same sins, oh Lord, but that we would turn away from them, that we would loathe every false way, that we would loathe those sins, dear God, we would confess them to you, oh Lord, and walk in harmony and step with your commandments, with your statutes, with your word, dear God. And we thank you, dear God, that it is all a work of you. Uh, we thank you, dear God, that repentance is granted to us by you as a gift, dear God. We pray for the strength, dear God, for our role in our sanctification, dear God, of, of not returning to that sin, of, of staying away from those things, that uh, those temptations that have strength in our lives, dear God, and surrendering those to you, oh Lord. So, Father, we pray that you would be glorified and magnified by the way we walk and conduct ourselves, dear God, in a manner worthy of our calling, as your word says. Uh, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all.